Oh. Oh, I should say yes, I got it. <laughs> All right, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we, we made it. it. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Happy summer, Dad. Happy summer. Yeah, I think I think it's summertime now. Well, we're getting there. We're flying through the year. Yeah. Um, already June. It's hard to imagine. Truly, but it's great to be here with you. And to all of those tuning in, welcome. This is the Net Positive Podcast, and today's energy crash course live uh, will be focusing on an experimental solar home, which I happened to grow up in um, as a child and which my dad here rebuilt. And it's a fascinating story. Um, so let's dive in, dad. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, as you know, I've just been in the mountains for a month. Uh, it's the longest visit back to the mountains uh, in 20 years, literally. Uh, so it was great to spend a whole month there and see you guys and your friends and my friends and family, everybody that's out there. And, you know, recognizing that just how important the great, the great splendor of the mountains. It's just, uh, you know, living in Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles, but it's so great to get out and to feel, breathe that fresh air. And, and when we were thinking about crash course topics, we've, I think this is our sixth course, we've had some pretty techie ones. And I realized, you know, kind of a tribute to what we call the shore house uh, in old Snowmass might be appropriate. And there, there are, you, had, you have some great questions about lessons learned. There's, there are some great lessons learned, but, but fundamentally I see this as a tribute to Ron Shore, Ron and Jill Shore who built the house. He was the engineer, the architect, the, the builder and the owner, and he was just way ahead of his time. And so I think uh, we'd love to talk about some of the great features of the house. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so for those of you who aren't familiar, um, this is a home in Old Snowmass, Colorado, around the bend from the original Rocky Mountain Institute um, location. And so, yeah, like, can, what is the history of the shore house? I know you've been doing a little research on this question and I don't know, it'd be great to get a picture or something for our listeners who aren't, can't really, don't have an image. Um, well, that, yeah, we can talk about that. I do have, uh, let, let's just say it was built in 1974. So for, for all the listeners, that, that's really, was a very experimental time in the solar world. You know, we were basically a fossil fuel economy. And so for people to like to be building solar houses was, was kind of wacko uh, and there was no materials to, to, you couldn't buy a collector you couldn't buy a photovoltaic nothing was available there were no double pane windows but um we came across in my travels somebody gave me this book which is 120 uh of the most the best examples 120 outstanding examples of solar heated buildings uh in north america well that was that this was published in 1978. And so you kind of look through these and there you sort of see all these amazing uh, experiments. And lo and behold, here is a picture of the Shore House uh, built in, in, in built in 74. And this picture was maybe taken a couple of years later. And you can see large solar collectors on the south side, which I'm going to talk about. You can see those, those reflectors that kind mm -hmm. of like stand, baffles that were up that were that were directing light into the house. Uh, yeah. And there was all, well, I'll get more into the, um, I'll get more into the details, but 
The, the, the first thing to realize is that this is in snowmass. And for those who don't live in the mountains, snowmass was named snowmass because there's a ton of snow. It's a winter environment, big time winter environment. And what that means is you've got 9,200 heating degree days. And that's a measure of heating that we also have cooling degree days. But in other words, that house needed a lot of heat and needs a lot of heat to stay warm, to be a solar house. So in those days, there was a big focus on active solar systems. And, um, but the, but um, the thing that before I get to the solar, you know, as you know, because you grew up there and it's home base for you now, you know, this, that house is perfectly situated. You know, it is high on a promontory above uh, the Capitol Creek. You hear the stream year round and you're high enough up that there's zero solar obstruction during the entire year. When the, that, the, the darkest day of winter, December 21st, your birthday, uh, is when the sun is arcing lowest on the horizon at around 21 degrees. And that house is still getting uh, dawn to dusk solar, solar energy. So, so Ron Shore and Jill Shore deserve to be, deserve tremendous credit for citing it absolutely perfectly. And then building it, kind of burrowing it into the side of the hill, the south facing slope. And so the north side of the house uh, about is about five feet. Uh, the dirt is, it comes up about five feet. Uh, and then it tapers off on the east and the west sides of the house. So the solar siding, the, the insulating effect of the ground and building it right into the ground, actually put down two inches of styrofoam and then four inches of concrete, created this big thermal mass, kind of created thermal uh, insulation all around it. And then they started doing really innovative things. You know, there was a period of time where people built double walls. So a typical wall construction, two by fours, two by six, two by eight, whatever the size is, is just, you know, stud wall is just a series of these two by fours with insulation in between them, basically. But double walls were like two sets of walls. So you have one wall out on the outside, and then you'd have one wall on the inside, and they're about eight inches apart. And then you stuff all that with insulation so that you have no thermal, no, th no energy, no cool can go, can travel on those, on those pieces of wood and be conducted to the inside of the house. So that was really a crazy innovation. It means that the walls are a foot thick, a uh, foot thick in the house, uh, right out, right is, out. Is that a, is that a methodology that's being used to this day or? Completely abandoned completely abandoned right i mean it was just I've never heard of that. <laughs> it was one of those really cool things that that uh that didn't make much sense they even made their own double pane windows uh you know thermopane that we're all familiar with now, now it's code wasn't available so everybody had single pane glass and ron shore literally and we have still have a few of them in the house literally took out his table saw and and made double pane windows uh, even the front door, which was a statement, was an, an old uh, walk-in freezer's uh, door. And so it was, you know, a good five inches or four inches of foam. Uh, and so it was, really, <laughs> it was really pretty out there. But it was, it was, that's one of the, the key takeaways is of, of building any house in any climate is figuring out your, your siting to make sure that you've maximized your, um, your, your solar siting. Uh, and that you, you're, and then being really, really well insulated. And then there are some quite interesting features. Um, yeah, well, you talk about the beads in the wall. Yeah, there's the, the craziest things that, well, I, we pointed out in that photo, we pointed out those baffles, those reflective baffles. 
And, you know, in part, that was because with this active solar house, your roof, I mean, this is south over here, your roof is brought way down and then you load that up with solar collector. But that means you've got very little light coming into your house. In fact, they only had like about two and a half feet of window space on that south wall. And that's, as you know, that's the view out to the stream and everything. So, so one thing they did to compensate was that they put in these reflectors up high and skylights up high. And then the sun would hit the reflector, the highly reflective, and then bounce down into the house, right? To compensate for the lack of the sun coming in from the south side. Those were automatic. They were, they were, they were used, they used phase change materials. They would close and insulate at night. And then the sun would come up in the morning and the lower boiling point of the, of the phase change materials would cause those attenuators to open up automatically. I mean, you can kind of see like the level of sophistication was, was pretty cool. And then you mentioned the bead walls. So there were those windows on the front of the house and they were only about two and a half feet, maybe 30 inches high because the collector had the solar collector, the whole south roof came down so low. But they, they, what they decided to do was to load up those the windows they created. They, they manufactured their own double pane windows that were about an inch apart, uh, the two panes of glass. And then at night, they would push all of these polystyrene foam beads into the window so that the window became a sandwich of glass and, and polystyrene uh, foam beads. They estimated that there were a million of these beads. I think you can still find them in the front lawn if you look carefully. Uh, and there was only one problem. It was a very cool, very innovative technology, but there's only one problem, static cling. Apparently when they sucked them out and they had these big 55 gallon drums and these, you know, these motors on them, when they sucked them out, a lot of the, a lot of the beads just stayed, uh, they stuck inside of the windows. So another, uh, obviously uh, very, um, a very experimental, uh, pretty high-tech solution. Ron Shore was, was quite an engineer to do all that. And a lot of those technologies were coming out of a company called Zoneworks, which was in Albuquerque. And I think Ron had a close affiliation with them. So oh, let me, the solar story, let me just ramble into the solar story because that was like the de defining feature. So you have a house here south and the whole south roof now is really set up to be a solar collector. And what you wanted, what they did was they had to manufacture all of this themselves. They got black, they got corrugated metal and they painted it flat black. And then they ran water up to the top of the roof and let water go down, trickle down underneath glass, all that was glass over the, this collector. So this hot water would run off of the roof and then it dumped into the water storage, 5,300 gallon water storage tank beneath the back bedroom. And then that water was used, triple zone, radiant hydronic heating, pretty advanced stuff that was heat used to, to heat the house. So you had a, the floors? yeah, it was heating the floors. There's pipes all through the floors in the, in the main part of this house uh, to this day. So, so wow. those are some of the, um, those are some of the features. I mean, they were kind of, was, the house is really loaded up with cool stuff. So, uh, the next question is sort of what happened, but I, I can't help but wonder where, what, what was the impetus for all of this experimental um, building? You know, I, th I don't really know. I mean, I never met Ron. I, I, I don't know, but you know, there were a lot of these early innovators in the solar space 
Another technique that a lot of them were using was a Trom wall, where you took your beautiful southern view and you put a cinder block wall sort of inside of your house and you block your view. And that fortunately, Trom walls went away. But, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to the early, early solar uh, architects and designers. You know, that, that recognize the value of the, of the free of free heat and, and light. I mean, as you know, the house now, we changed the roof angle. We dramatically changed the roof angle. We brought lots of light in. It's got a huge, the main room has got a huge cathedral ceiling. So it wasn't just an energy efficient house, but it was sort of an, it has become a, a really enlightened house. So you've named a number of technologies and kind of experimental methodologies that were tried out. What happened? What what worked? What didn't work? Um, obviously, you know, you bought the house and gave it a whole new life. So could you reflect on a little bit of from his era or from that chapter, what really worked and took off? And then, you know, what was a total flop? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, Ron, Ron um, passed away in a boating accident you know, down in Mexico or down in Central America. And I don't really know the sequence, but he clearly was the the innovator and the operator of the system. And, and so I'm not sure whether, I'm not sure what happened, but um, clearly the house didn't have him to look after it over time. Right. And what was really interesting is in 1986, um, so the house was 12 years old, we were looking for a house to buy in the Roaring Fork Valley. And the realtors, oh, I got this place in Old Snowmass. Uh, something weird happened. There's something crazy about this house. It's not structurally sound, uh, blah, blah, blah. I said, take me to it. And I, the minute that we went onto the land, I said, I'm buying this property. I just, I just, this is where I, I want to be on this property. But when I came, walked up to the house, the whole house was bowed outward. The, the front wall was con, uh, let's see, that would be con, convex right it was like bow it was bowed out it almost looked deliberate it looked like a you know i grew up with boats it almost looked like the back of a boat you know it was and then we went and we looked at the ridge line and the ridge line of the house was was concave and so clearly what had happened was somehow the house had just sort of gone like this and just sort of slumped huh. and uh, you know, the stories about it happening and them throwing dirt up against the south side to keep it from falling down i'm not sure what of that is true, but we knew when we bought it that we had to do something really, really significant. And one of the things, I mean, I mentioned that we sort of raised the roof angle here. I don't know if that makes any sense. We sort of raised this roof angle because the, again, the, um, the active solar house has got to have a lot of, of uh, you want to be perpendicular to the sun at the shortest day of the year. You want to be, you want your angle to be really low. And then the passive solar house, you want to bring that light into your house. So but what we realized was, um, I credit Chris Shipp, who you know, and he's a solar architect. He was one of the early innovators in solar architecture, good friend of ours. And he, we were sitting in the house and he said, Ted, you know, if you just change the roof angle and we go from active to passive, then all of a sudden we pick up what's called triangulation, which in construction, when you've got a pitched roof, you really want to have an attic or a floor that allows you to triangulate. And then the house can't flex like this at all. And so that's fundamentally what Robin Ferguson and I did was we, we raised that we raised that south roof to create more light coming in a ten foot wall of glass light coming in, um, got rid of all the bead windows and all that. It was sad too. It was a decision I had to make about whether or not to use the radiant heating system in the house, 
but frankly, the quality of the construction was so bad. Uh, the electrical work was so bad. The plumbing work was so bad that I just didn't have any faith in the radiant heating system. So we abandoned that. Uh, and then, as you know, in the new wing of the house, we actually put in uh, an active solar thermal uh, system with radiant heat that works fantastically. So what really what we really kept was, uh, you know, the siting uh, and the spirit of the house. Um, we've we continued to follow in that sort of that you know, insulation first kind of mindset. You know, now windows, uh, we have many argon filled windows in the house. Uh, we have an experimental piece of glass, just like at Rocky Mountain Institute, a triple pane window that was made by Alpen Systems out of Boulder that has like an R10 value in it. Uh, so we've, kept, we, we've done the active solar system. You know, we just put in this advanced water treatment system. One of the cool things that we did was put in that whole rainwater and snowmelt collection system, because we realized in that dry climate, um, but we have lots of snow and we have rain seasonally. Why don't why don't we capture that? So we've kept we've kept some of the uh, some of the main features of the house, but really upgraded with I think current technology. Yeah. So um, yeah, you mentioned the rainwater capture system. That was the the newer addition to the to the property. Obviously, that's one of the property's greatest challenges is water. Um, despite being next to a creek. Um, so that was really key for us to capture that rainwater. Um, and it, it's Yeah, I give my brother Billy a lot of credit for kind of figuring out the system. And uh, we have this, you know, we have large roofs, they're metal. We have gutters. And uh, you know, he realized that if we just uh, captured all that south face, uh, as you know, I mean, when that when that's even if, I mean, one of the beautiful things about living up in the mountains there is you'll often get outer snow at night and it could be, you know, it could be a couple inches or it could be six or eight or more inches. Uh, and then, you know, then the sun comes out and the sun is out. I think it's about 300 out of 365 days a year up in the mountains there. And so all that snow melts um, really rapidly on that south side. Uh, and so we're, we're collecting all of that water and now we're going to be using it for exterior landscaping. But that really made a lot of sense. And, you know, when, and also that the solar thermal system that we put up, which is, also, which is some big Novan panels that Mike Tierney from Aspen Solar put up on the, on the, the new addition of the house, you know, they're black. And so as soon as that sun comes and hits that, hits that fresh snow on that roof, it melts really fast. Even when the temperature outside temperature is zero degrees or 10 degrees, um, we'll, have, we'll have hot water coming off the roof in that solar thermal system at 150 degrees by 11 o'clock in the morning. So it's just, you know, solar power really, really works. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, and I can definitely attest to even just the comfort of the home in terms of the placement and the solar. I mean, it's cool when it's really hot during the day and it's warm when it's cold outside. So it's really brilliant just how that location has made such a big difference. So, Dad, what does the house mean to you? Um, obviously, you're out in Los Angeles now, but you still get to keep this house and and continue to maintain it and, and help it evolve. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that sentimental, to tell you the truth, but it's a great, it's a great, great place. I love the, I love the property and uh, I love all the neighbors that are around us and the, and, and the area. So it's, uh, 
it's been really special. And I know you guys love it dearly too. It's enabled ski trips and family trips and all sorts of stuff. And, and I love being able to uh, let friends use it. You know, we've got a cousin of yours coming out. We've got a friend of my work colleague of mine coming out I and mean, people are using it. And that, that gives me, you know, great pleasure. I even get, you know, we, we've been doing Airbnb on that house now for what, five or six years. And the comments that we get from people, uh, it's, it's touching. Uh, it's just a great space. It's a great place that that house is, is. It is. It's cool in the summer. It's warm in the winter. It's sunny. It's just peaceful. And, and so it brings me a lot of pleasure that a lot of people can enjoy it. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, obviously there's the, the it, it doesn't look bad as an investment, right? <laughs> Property values have just gone way, way up. And we took a... Um, you know, something that was structurally failed and, and turned it into, I think, a great, a great spot. So there's so many lessons embedded in this story of the shore house. Um, and some of those lessons were learning from failure and some of those lessons and, and technologies continue to be embraced widely today. For folks who are, say, looking to buy a new house <laughs> or, or who are looking to to take a house that has, you know, some love that it needs and, and take it and be, make it more efficient. What, what are some of the kind I'm, of take home points you could offer those folks? I'm so glad you asked that because I'm, um, I'm, I'm so into house orientation, the sighting of a house. And, you know, for, ma for many years, uh, our society, our American society, the suburbs, the suburbs in particular, have just placed houses on cul-de-sacs and you know the orientation of the house is is where you know it's basically fronting out on a street and that could be facing north or that could be facing east or west and so i think uh one of the most important things and that ron shore taught us uh with his house and all these uh, early pioneers in the solar industry is is that siting a house is so so important and you need to really pick up that southern light you need to you need to really figure out what's on your southwest because that's your late afternoon sun coming in and and you need to be very cognizant of, of that um that's that's the number one thing i would recommend people that are looking to build a new house is to be very very careful with their sighting and you know there's a lot of good solar architects and they always say oh look look where a cat sits you know the cat finds the perfect place to sit mm -hmm. but but you want to have a home that follows that sun during the day you want your morning spaces to the east and then your living spaces to the south and the southwest you know you've got that, that afternoon sun where it's nice to have more more living spaces so so sighting is sighting is hugely important solar um, feng shui if you will I think so. I think so. Even if you don't do any active solar, it's just the sighting alone is, is the passive. And, you know, you can also pick up some of that um, benefit of, of sighting by, by planting or, and making earth berms to the north and planting deciduous trees. I mean, uh, evergreens to the, to, to the north, deciduous to the, to the west and the, the south so that you got some shading in the summertime. So, so being really more attuned to, to nature and where, where a house sits, I think is really key. And that, and then I, you know, as people are going out and buying houses, um, yeah, which, what, what direction, what's the orientation of the house? Um, you know, where are the cozy rooms? Um, you know, it's really important to, to see where, where track the sun when you're looking to buy a house and to see uh, whether you're gonna be living in a place that's always cold 
you know, people buy houses that are really have a north facing orientation and they're always cold and they're always uncomfortable, you know, or you have a house that's, that's cozy. And then once you've got the, the bones that we're talking about, the good bones, the orientation that we're talking about, insulation still rules. I mean, that is really insulation, which now, of course, is in the windows as well. Uh, but, you know, well insulated home, you know, you go to Scandinavia and you look at all the doors and skylights and how, how fantastically they're built so that they're, they're really well insulated. Yeah, I think that then, you know, because then once you've got the box, the house that's right. properly oriented and it's nice and tight, uh, you know, then you can add your your solar systems or whatever else. But you don't need to be fighting the elements. You're working right. with the elements. Right. So you kind of start with the, bo the, the bones, like you said, the core infrastructure, if you can, if that's an option for you. And then kind of building out, I think, you know, another plug is to just find out what your utility is doing. Um, our utility in the Valley, Holy Cross Energy, have a number of programs that, you know, subsidize batteries. And, you know, so wherever you're located, your utility most likely has some programs in place to incentivize um, going green in a number of ways. I know that's something that we're exploring um, at the Shore House. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's lots of incentives. There's lot. The, the good news is there's lots of uh, information out there now. You don't have to be a Ron Shore and build your own double right. windows, right? It is all all these are off the shelf technologies. There's lots available, as you said. There's really cutting edge stuff happening with, with battery systems, and we're getting ready for the whole vehicle to grid grid integration. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think um, absolutely uh, a very good starting point if you haven't already done it. And you want to know how to take steps to green your home, whether it's a new home or uh, an existing home or something that you're building, get, be in touch with your utility for sure. Yeah. See what kind of programs. I mean, I know Glendale Water and Power, where I am here in California, long list of programs and services that, that they yeah. can provide. So. Right. And, and oftentimes those programs don't have a marketing budget. So it's going to take finding them and kind of a little effort on your end. So yeah, we hear, we see pioneers like Ron Shore who really were so experimental to find what are the solutions. And now fast forward 2022, we have so many tried and tested solutions. This is no longer experimental at all. And if anything, it's actually just good business, right? To be building efficiently and with, with good insulation and taking advantage of the, the siting and all of that. Are there any other take-home points you'd like to leave our listeners with about ways that they can either learn more about solarizing their home or innovative technologies around green building? Gosh, there's so there there's so much, um, but no, I think we've I think we've hit it. And but your your point about um, you know the savings, I mean, I I haven't calculated. But it would be really interesting to try to calculate how many dollars and how much carbon has been saved by what Ron Shore built there, mm. you know, in the mountains of Colorado. Because, uh, you know, the new, the new wing has been running, what, for 20 or 30 years on solar power completely. That means there's been zero carbon, you know, emissions related to that. And it's comfortable and uh, clean. And uh, the house's orientation has meant, and its insulation has meant that it uses a fraction of the power. You know, we heated with wood, but not much compared to a, compared to a house that size. So, 
So it's, yeah, it's, there's, the, there's the tried and true, the proven technologies. And then there's also thousands, hundreds of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars to be saved by making a decision to have a home that is uh, uh, as uh, solar as can be, as well insulated as can be. Totally. Well, thank you so much for sharing this insight. And maybe if you do those calculations, we can have a part two <laughs> to yeah. this conversation. But yeah, it's it's a really, really exciting field. Um, no one should worry, you know, question the viability of kind of having to green your home anymore. There's tremendous resources out there and expertise everywhere you look. It's a great time to have a solar sustainable net positive home. Um, and Ron did us all a service by showing, showcasing what that might look like early on. And we're still benefiting from that innovation today. Absolutely. So thank you, Dad, for your time. And for those of you who took time to listen to our story today, um, you can always find new stories, new information, um, learn lots on the Net Positive podcast. You can find it on Spotify or iTunes. Um, and then, of course, lots of solutions and service and service services with solutions on the ecomotion.us website. So happy Friday. Um, and we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Thanks, Dad. Bye.